Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. Uh, there's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I wait f- about a month and then do the review and stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today uh, is Juliana. Juliana, say hello, Juliana. Hello, <laughs> and, everyone. Yeah, again, I could be like, oh, here's the reason why we didn't get to this podcast sooner. It's just been doing other stuff, really. Yeah. Like, and it kind of fell through the cracks. It did. Uh, and I was busy. Life. <laughs> what? Life. Yeah. Juliana got COVID. Yeah. Been recovering from COVID. How was that, Juliana, over there? It took about three weeks. Yeah. So uh, it's been a little bit of a delay here. I, I put up, we recorded a juggling podcast. We've, we, we've done this a few times in the past where we've dumped the juggling podcast into the SFBRP feed as bonus audio. Yeah. Um, uh, generally, the coronavirus updates, but like that first coronavirus update and then the mm-hmm. one where we got married, we put that in the podcast feed as well. Yeah. And so this was the last juggling podcast about coronavirus, which comes full circle of Luke going back to work and Juliana getting COVID. So uh, if you've seen that in the feed, it's there and you can listen to us talking about um what it's like to kind of get our lives back on track and work on new stuff and uh and me kickstarting a new juggling show you know general like some stuff is for jugglers but also it's general luke and juliana updates and we're not going to go into it a lot more here i don't know let's focus on the book all right so the book that we're, we're going to talk about now is by stanislav lem yes and i we've done various podcasts in the past about um uh his his most famous book so let me just go over here to google the google page here it's like stanislaw stanislaw lem polish writer and then it goes books solaris 1961 the invincible 1964 the siberia 1965 eden in 1958 so you know these are his most famous books that come up of course we've done i think like two or three episodes on polaris Solaris. So, sorry, Solaris. Not did yes. I say Polaris before? You said Polaris. I meant to say Solaris. Yes. Um, Solaris, and because we did one about, I did one about a, a book, and then the audio book. There was a new translation, Audible. Yes. Did a new translation of the audio book, and then we talked about. I think when we talked about the, the we watched a movie as well. Yeah, we watched um, two movies. Was it two movies that we watched? Yeah. No, no. I think it was. We watched one of the movies. Oh, did we watch the one with George Clooney as yes, well? Yes, we did. Ah, I don't. The thing is, I have literally no memories at all of the George Clooney movie. Well, I only have memories of the uh, um, the other one. Who's it? Tarkovsky? No, yes, Tarkovsky. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, famously. And also by with the, I think they remember we did the the BBC um, audio play as well. Yeah. I, I, we listened to that, which is like a two hour or one hour audio play of of uh, Solaris. So we've talked about him. What's up? Did you read any other books by him? No, this is what I'm... This, you're, you just inter- interrupted my introduction. Okay, to... apart from this book that you now are going, we're, we're going to talk about. That... No, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look here on the on the um, the, the Stan- Stanislav Lem um, page on Goodreads as well, the list is slightly different. Solaris, the Siberiad, uh, the Futurological Congress from the, mem- the, from the memoirs of um, Asia. I, d- I don't know what that is. Uh, and then the Invincible. So the Invincible is his, like, let's say his second to fourth best known work or most important work or most read work okay maybe after i would say the siberia is the one that i had uh, heard about more and also there's one called um fiasco 
and oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. master's I, voice. I there's, there's a few of these mm. other books. I'm sure there's some short stories as well. But he didn't write for very long. Oh, he didn't write science fiction for very long. He became massively successful and then was like, mm, kind of got everything else, got everything I wanted. <laughs> I'm just going from his Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, it said here on his Wikipedia page, um, final years, from the early 1980s onwards, he tended to concentrate on philosophical text and essays published in Polish magazines. They were later, collect- they were later collected in a number of anthologies. So it turns out like he's one of like the most popular authors um in the world you know one of the most translated authors yeah someone said here what is it um uh theodore in 1976 theodore sturgeon wrote that lem was the most widely read science fiction writer in the world because you get all the stuff that was translated yes but also his stuff was you know i guess written in polish but then translated for the russian audience or the soviets in the soviet world too yeah um of course I don't know how you would work that out. Probably not. In it. Certainly not anymore. He's not the most read um, science fiction author. He was uh, for a while, I'm sure. It may, you say he's sure. One other author declared <laughs> him to be. Yeah. and But that's a pretty good thing for someone to declare you to be. So anyway, I thought, let's check out other of his books. Hmm. In fact, I didn't think that. I saw in the mm-hmm. library app, there was an audiobook of The Invincible. And I was like, ah, that's one of those books by Stanislav Lem that I should get to so i downloaded it and listened to it in the library app uh, and this was in september so uh, uh, but i made some made quite a few notes that's good. A- about the book that's good the the issue is with this is that this book was written well let me let me bring up what is it the thing here as well solaris was 1961 and this is 1964 i don't know if it's exactly his next novel maybe is there one here as well uh uh, uh yeah, let's have a look at this bibliography of Stanislav Lem. So we can see um, which which book is in between. Oh, oh no! All of the all of his <laughs> all of his books they they're all put with the. Um, well, anyway, can't find it either way. Yes, that was what a, a diversion. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go back to the bringing of that thought. 1961, Solaris comes out. Yes. 1964, he's he's obviously riding the wave of Solaris being a very popular book. Yeah. You want to write a follow up book? Well, not a follow up book, but you go. All right, let's do Solaris again. Kind of not, but not really again. But let's do something like let's continue on with that. I'm not saying he was like going a formula. I'm not saying his publishers were like, are oh, more of the same, please. I'm just saying that whatever was in the world at the time. Uh, it feels like this book is like it's difficult to read this book and not see the influence of Solaris or like Solaris, the same writer that's in the well, air behind yes. it. Yes, with a guy with one like a person uh, going to a planet and there not being any understandable intelligent life there. Ah, but there is intelligence there and there is kind of life there. But the whole point of like you know science fiction was like, hey, we go there and we talk to the aliens. Here, there's no talking to aliens, and if there is, you don't understand. You know all of Solaris, like yes. yeah, it's it's trying to communicate with something which is so alien, so not human mm. that there's no connection there at all. So that's kind of in this book taken as a given in this book. Okay. Um, and so th- yeah. So do you think like. Let's say a person has the, the the library app and sees this book and uh, gets the first glimpse of Stanislav Lem yeah. with this book instead of Solaris. Yeah. Would they have the same kind of like, wow, this is really big and influential No, because experience. it's not. This book isn't. <laughs> okay. But if you read this book and then went and read Solaris, you'd be like, ah, oh, this is better, you know. Okay. But I'm not wanting to say... I. 
I realized the book that I cl- the list that I clicked on before was works about Stanislav Lem, and now his books by him. So this okay. was the second novel. This was the first novel after Solaris. Oh, the, so, straight after. Yeah, well, not straight after. Well, three years later. Yes. But it's his next novel. What's uh, it called again? I forgot. The again. Invincible. Right. I'll get on to why it's called the Invincible. Well, it's really in, it's it's obvious. So, uh, the Invincible is just a spaceship that the action. Oh, you know, okay. It's just a spaceship that turns up to a planet, and it's the the people that it's about of the people on the Invincible. Okay. It's just the ship. Nice. You know, like ships, there's a, there's a uh, you know, all, all ships, there's there's generally like a naming scheme for these yeah. ones. Uh, you know, uh, we just watched the Top Gun uh, Maverick movie. Yeah. And, you know, the um, they're on an aircraft carrier. Aircraft carriers are all named after, I think, past presidents, you I know. I think, yeah, some of, yeah. Mm, yeah. Most, mm, I don't know. Some of them are certainly the, the names of former presidents. Either I way. don't know if all of them. Maybe not all of them, but let's just say they are, yeah. whatever. Um, so you can have the Roosevelt and the whatever, Washington, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so different, different, different kind of things. And still, even with the, um, the missions that uh, go, like NASA say, sh- shoots out the missions and the, yeah. the ships are called, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, they're all like Discovery and yeah. Enterprise and yes. Freedom and Ingenuity and yeah. all these things. Yeah, they're, they're all, <laughs> The these, Invincible. Like, yeah. They're, they're, they're come, <laughs> no, no, but the Invincible is like, the, 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 there was the British Dreadnought class, you know, there's like okay. the Dreadnought and then the, the um, Inconquerable and the, you know, there are all What's these. Dreadnought? A Dreadnought is a What's kind of ship. Yes. Oh, but that's just, it doesn't mean it's not a word. It is a, a dreadnought. Is a, is now a class of ship. Okay. But invincible means that you can't be defeated. Yeah, dreadnought, dreadnought means, means you're not afraid of anything. Ah, okay. Dread. Ah. Nought. Zero dread. Ah, okay. Dreadnought. Cool. I didn't know that, that. Fearless. It means fearless. Fearless. You know, okay. dreadnought. Now, uh, <laughs> now you're you making me think about that, and I'm like, mm, maybe it isn't. Uh, either way, dreadnought. Okay, we're not talking about dreadnought. We're talking about invincible. Uh, okay, so let's just let's just put in. Let's just now set aside Polaris. Sorry, Polaris. I keep calling Polaris. <laughs> Solaris. Let's put aside Solaris and yeah. just say Solaris exists, and that is a classic novel which still holds up today. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's interesting things in all the adaptations, but you know, the novel is still very good. There's still, it still makes you think about all kinds of stuff, and still very really relevant. Yes. Put all that aside. This book isn't that. Okay. But it's not to say that it's bad, and it's not to say that in 1964 this was this couldn't have been like a really interesting book. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't hold up in the same way as Solaris does. Because Solaris, in a way, was very inward-looking. Like, it's about a person and their experience. Yeah. There is a bit of that in this book. But this is very much like, and now, some adventure. And <laughs> yeah. war. And battles. And, you know, individual acts of heroism and things. So mm. it, it it feels more dated in that way. But it doesn't have, like, oh, a personal story about a personal person who's a person and you want to, you know, <laughs> discover yeah their interactions with people and you know yeah i don't know so is it more about like um you know how you have um the analogy or not the analogy but you know how we have ships on earth and water yeah and then everything that's being done with ships on water wars and ships and whatever navies and whatever Mm. we then take that to to space and it's the no, same no, no, thing no no no, just, no 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 it isn't no. it's totally de- there is a little bit it does feel a little bit military science fiction at some yeah. points there is a bit of that but yeah. it isn't that okay. let's just say okay so there's it's the the little bit of the blurb it says an interstellar second class cruiser called invincible lands on regis the third which is a planet mm. uh, which seems bleakly uninhabited to investigate the loss of a sister ship Condor. So, ah, okay. It's okay. in the same style of all of these stories where, oh, someone, like, uh, something's gone missing. Yeah. Let's send out another ship to find the missing ship. Yeah. Which has happened 
over and over again you know if we want to talk about space weirdness that's even what happens sort of like the event horizon movie mm. you know they're like oh the event horizon went missing out on the orbit of neptune and now to we send out another ship to go and have a look at it and see what happened to it that's what happens here as well yeah. so there's the condor and the invincible sister ships you know yes. of the same class second second class cruiser invincible class ships and um and they say there's it's barren you know so you go to this planet and there's nothing there it turns out lots of life in the ocean on this planet mm -hmm. but no life on the land apparently apparently no life <laughs> on the land and actually no life on the land no biological life on the land okay. but there is kind of robot kind of not intelligence but a robot ecology there's like so robots were seeded on here and their robots are replicating and rebuilding mm. themselves mm. and you know finding stuff and keep that going but there's not an intelligence there except for kind of like uh like a, a swarm swarm intelligence and like the idea of it's sort of like it's intelligence but it's not self-aware intelligence it's just following the previous stuff yes you know? okay and what we have is like, yeah, there's barren land and they land and they're like, oh, where were we? Oh, okay, something like this. Oh, they find, they find uh, everybody from the Condor, no survivors from the Condor, except one person was left in a pod, like in a, in a survival pod, right, you know, a yeah, sleep pod. Yeah. And they wake him up and he's got no memories and nothing. He's just got a blank mind. Oops. So Stanislav Lem just invents technology where you can scan someone's brain and see what they're thinking or whatever like mm -hmm. that. And you can get, you can get in the moment of their death. You know, there's this thing where you can get a brain and go, oh, if the brain's fresh we can get there like what they were thinking about when they died okay and they do this guy on this brain no nothing nothing there and they're like oh that's a bit weird we can't see what the brain scan is okay but uh, they can still like talk and, and no can't do it well no they just no. kind of like you know they're alive and their brains are working but like the, all of their memories have been like flashed oh, out that's or awful. and then that happens to someone on the invincible and they're like oh that's the same thing that happened to this guy what's happened and then it continues on with that all of the story is told from the point of view of um chief navigator rohan which i made a note of and other people whose names are completely indis indistinguishable you don't ever learn about them okay. you don't ever know about them they're just some names of some scientists and some other off officers okay. who do stuff but it doesn't matter completely <laughs> interchangeable and and here's the big step down of this book than the than solaris is that chief chief uh, navigator rohan don't know anything about him don't know where it comes from not really any personality just very very flat Okay. Like, it's just, like, the name. And we need one person to do stuff throughout the book and learn stuff and, you know, you know, discover stuff and then go out and do heroic stuff. And he's <laughs> just the person who is doing it. Okay. A well, very, very flat person. Well, not flat, but, like... Nothing to it. Nothing to it. It's like, yeah. okay, we need a person. Here's a person. We know his <laughs> name and he does stuff. Yeah, you know. because we need to attach to some person yeah. to walk around and... Yeah. Yeah. We need someone to go out and do action and do stuff. So that's that's what we have here. Okay. Um, and so, but they, they do find the Commodore. The Condor. The Condor. Yeah. And um, is it like, um, I don't know broken in bits and pieces or is it no was it's it... just landed there and they need to oh, okay. they, and then they go well we're going to relocate ours to get closer to right. it and then send out missions but it's dangerous because there's all these you know uh, 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 i was going to say artificial intelligences but not artificial intelligences well there is intelligence and this is the whole point of this book it's okay. like it, we're having an encounter with like ro like technology swarm technology which mm. doesn't see humans as individual people i mean it the the swarm doesn't acknowledge that an in again i'm i'm reading into it here mm -hmm. because but this is what they're talking about like if a if a swarm of bees sees an individual 
thing person yeah, yeah. whatever do they acknowledge that that individual could be sentient in their own right or only as part of a swarm now this is the this is a thing that kind of kicks off um uh lots of uh uh military science fiction stuff right i think in both gateway by frederick paul and um and ender's game yeah i think both of those start off with an encounter with aliens who just come in and be like, all right, oh, we'll just kill all these humans and then like dissect their brains. And it's right. all sort of like, oh, what happens is when like normally these like these aliens, these swarm aliens, these mind sharing aliens, they get in contact with each other and bump into each other. What they do is they grab some of the drones or whatever from the other one yeah. and kill them and chop them up and look at their brains and go, all right, how can we start talking with these people? Yeah. So again, I'm not sure if that's the, 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 the origin of both of those, but like completely mixed up in that way but like th- we humans might be again just just off the top of my head we might be unique in that we each individual drone each individual mm. squishy bit mm. isn't part of like a system which doesn't really care about individual drones but only cares about maybe a queen and then or maybe a swarm or maybe a hive mind or whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. maybe most intelligences out there are like the the hornets in um uh, what was the what's the book that i the um i can't remember what it's called the, the, there's a series of books by an author whose name is uh, can't, i can't remember now <laughs> and, you he can't ca- remember the, and he carries oh, around a hornet can- with him and they're like oh yeah i'm implied by the hornets there's actually like only three intelligent species on earth which is like humans dolphins and hornets and it took us a while to work out that hornets were actually had their own that had their own civilization on earth or whatever it is right uh, um i want to i want to yeah. ask you something yeah um if if there's like a like a species like yeah animal or whatever alien and this is what they know they know the swarm right, right. Yeah. so they they are never alone by themselves yep. because they're always connected to the swarm yeah. i think for them the idea of a person being an individual like sealed of yeah. thing with no connection to the outside yeah. whatsoever that must seem extremely alien as well. Yeah, because that's what I'm they couldn't they couldn't even they, they 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 wouldn't even think that would be something they could survive. Yeah. And that reminds me very much of the um the Bork in Star Trek. Yep. Uh and uh, so the these ideas Maybe all intelligences in the universe are like Borgs and swarms and yeah. hornets and hives yeah. and, and swarms. Yeah. So who knows? Either way. So that's what this book is grappling with. Now, I want to go through a bit of the, the interesting stuff about reading a book from 19... What was this? 1964, did I say? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, 1964. Yeah. Um, let me frame this by... that. So there was these two books that we talked about, both of which have portal technology in them. Mm-hmm. One of them is Hyperion, mm-hmm. and one of them was Salvation. Yes. And, we, and I, we did a whole podcast about why did I enjoy, I'm not saying it's a better book, but why do I enjoy Salvation by Peter F. F. Hamilton better than Hyperion by Dan Simmons? Dan Simmons. Dan Simmons. And part of it is you can do more things. Like once a technology is established, mm-hmm. you can do more things with it. Yes. So in Hyperion, there's a, one of the characters gets so rich, he can afford a house where every room is like on a different planet and every room is in a different continent. And so, you know, your bathroom's in Mars and your, your balcony (laughs) is in Hawaii. And then, you know, the toilets are here and stuff like that. And what he does, he goes, you know, it's, it's a character building moment, him showing how rich he is and the excess of it is. And it's a fun exploration of what could be possible. A house where every room is in a different continent slash planet slash whatever. Yes. 
like what is it the guest toilet is on a rocking ship at sea or whatever <laughs> you know I not think so that's, handy no but i think that's yeah. one of the jokes or something yes or you go downstairs and to a room which is on top of a mountain you yeah. know uh, so it's it's tricky what they did in salvation is how about a murder mystery in that same house yeah. or like we're looking like somebody's died and we're looking for someone like we went into this house mm. the killer or the criminal might could be somewhere in this house yeah. and then you're like which room are they in and you're like oh we're not just searching a house every time we go into a room we go is there another way out of this room to wherever we are locally here yeah you know and yeah. suddenly it's not like oh here is just a technology let me tell you about a technology mm-hmm. it's like this isn't just driving forward it's not just like a bit of world building for world building's sake it's like here we go we're going to show some fun action there's going to be a mystery we're going to show how clever the people are who are investigating it with like the murder mystery they're going to solve it before you do as a human yeah. you know they're going to get it like yeah get it move on right let's get on with the story you know that kind of thing yeah yes so basically dan simmons did the 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 hard work of introducing this stuff and yeah. and so you you then can't just uh just pass it by you actually have to show what it means well right? yes what i'm trying to say is that once a technology is like introduced or once something is introduced into science fiction mm-hmm. you you can no longer just be like this exists and people will just be like yeah swarm swarm intelligence exists you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. um encounters between you know uh, swarm intelligences might lead to misunderstandings between humans and the swarm those that those encounters can then be used as a a jumping off point for 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 later science fiction yeah you know absolutely. for later science fiction they can say ah a misunderstanding between swarm intelligence and human intelligence mm-hmm. can, you know we can't just have that as the basis of the book yeah. we need to now use that and go on with it and develop in new ways actually use it as a basis of the story yeah this book in 1964 might have been the first encounter that a lot of people had with like non non self-aware or non-intelligent swarm electronic technology Mm -hmm. which now if this exists in a book it has to be background for something else background for a bigger story background for like in world building that's just one thing Mm -hmm. that has to be just one element and here it's like for a big chunk of the book it is the thing like and it's kind of clunkily done in a way that (laughs) our chief navigator rohan isn't the person investigating this and i made some notes here as i was reading the book um and i said like what's going on let's introduce this scientist who will explain it And that's what happens. What happens is they go, right, let's have a meeting. All right, scientists, come Mm. in, explain what you found. Mm. And so it's like an author or like, well, it is the author just saying, right, now here we have an info dump, but I'm going to put it into the mouth of this scientist. And the scientist is going to say, here's the theory that we have. And then it goes on a bit. Um, and then we, I wrote down, let's do another tour of scientists who will debate the issues. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, made a note, the ideas are enough. They don't need a story attached. So this middle section of the book is just going like, right, let me explain all the ideas. <laughs> and as the author, I'm going to explain it by having a meeting where scientists <laughs> turn up. And our main character also is there because he's a chief navigator. And we have some a, a meeting about it. Yes. And we're like, all right, let's explain nanotechnology. And you're like, oh, nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. And 
and you think that now I can just say that and everyone goes, oh, right, self-replicating very small machines or something that's so small you can't see, yeah. but is there and is self-replicating and is somehow being controlled by, you know, radiation field, you know, all the stuff that we now know about nanotechnology. Yeah. Stanislav Lem is like, all right, let me explain what nanotechnology is. You know, self, non-self-aware intelligences that evolve and like, let's nap, this exists. And I'm like, there, yeah. swarm technology. You're like, let me tell you about swarm technology yeah. And swarm grids and group, and you're like, okay, and that's like the middle third of this book is literally having meetings with scientists going, all right, now swarm technology, now nanotechnology. Yeah. So in 1964, yes, I'm not I, saying this is bad, yeah. but in 1964, I'm like, ah, right, revelation. This is this is this is something interesting. This is something new, whatever yeah, like that. Yeah. So, um, so that's uh, fun. Um, uh, yeah, and then at the end, it becomes more military science fiction-y adventure stuff because like now he's like all right we've got all that set up yeah. now let's disgorge like they're in this invincible class and part of it is about like the spaceship itself and the weapons it has and he can it can do like artillery bombardments and shoot mm. stuff down but then they're like let's get something out the hold and they get it's like an aircraft carrier mm -hmm. and you're like they bring out a plane and you're like okay it's got a plane and then they bring out like some amphibious landing craft i'm talking about like real uh you know aircraft carriers now yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can go oh and this one's got jet engines and it's got the refueling pl plane and you're like okay refuel it's got the planes refueling planes so maybe some amphibious craft or that's maybe that's most, mostly the marines in you know if you're talking mm -hmm. about that and they're like oh now let's bring out a massive helicopter and you're like oh you got helicopters down there in the hold as well how big is and this ship it, yeah no that's what you think about modern day aircraft carriers like oh how big is this ship and then they're like oh we're gonna bring out a radio control so we you know the one with the disc on the yeah, back yeah, you know yeah. the, the 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 pancake radar thing yes. which is the control that also comes from the aircraft carrier oh you got some of those as well and then you're like and we've got um some uh, refueling planes so the refueling plane also <laughs> takes and this is what they do refueling planes take off from the aircraft carriers and that's what it feels like in this book they're like and now let's get out these other massive tanks and now let's bring out the bulldozer tanks and now let's be and as it was going through I was like how many more massive bits of machinery and, and uh, you know autonomous weapon systems do they have in the hold of the invincible so and I looked at some other people's reviews and they're like they just keep disgorging like any time that they need like oh we need a we need a new you know, Deus Ex Machina to get us out of this. Yeah. Oh, we'll just bring out the bigger weapon from the hold. You're like, why did they bring out the bigger weapon at the start? So there's yeah. a bit of there's a bit of that kind of stuff where it's, you're like, ah, never really worked out how big the Invincible was and how much stuff yeah. it could have. In it's a it. bit like a Mary Poppins bag. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like a Mary Poppins <laughs> bag of plot devices here. Um, yeah, fun. and then there's some fun adventure stuff at the end. Um, so yeah, I said here tech. What else do we have in the hold? Question mark. That was my my, my note. Handy. Here. Um, at the end here though, I wrote, "Is this satire?" I didn't know if the like, you know, we did that book which was the you know the blanket aliens. What was this book that Luke that Luke, yeah. Luke Luke read when he was fifteen years old or whatever it was? And I was always going, "Oh, what James is it?" White. Yeah, it was, and it was um, James White and. Uh, all judgment fled yes and when i read it when i was 15 i was like yeah a book you know a book and mm -hmm. it's some stuff and didn't really get it i understood that it was like oh apollo era stuff which is instead going to the moon or whatever it was it was like it was meant to be going to mars and they're like well send it out to saturn or jupiter <laughs> so i i understood the technology an angle i didn't realize how much it was a um a, a vietnam war 
book yes. as a as a satire of the attitudes between the soldiers over fighting the war on the front lines, the commanders back home and the reaction of the press and the public sentiment behind it, you know, and reading yeah. it now, I was like, Oh, this is like really heavy handed Vietnam war. Absolutely. satire." Yeah. But at the, you know, when I was reading it when I was 15, didn't get it. And like none of the reviews that I read also mentioned it because again, all of those reviews were like the original reviews were written back in the 1960s mm-hmm. and now I'm reading it and you know, there's not a lot of modern reviews for a book which wasn't popular, you know. Of course. Or, or, or a, a, an old piece of writing which wasn't, was like, that was just what science fiction was at the time. Yeah. Um, and now, of course, you can find reviews for every book that comes out and yeah. people are discussing it and doing podcasts about it. But there's there's no science fiction book review podcast talking about All Judgment Fled in 1968 or whenever it came out. No. Um, so I'm thinking, what am I missing from this book that was mm-hmm. written in Polish yes. in the 1960s and is now, and, and I'm now reading it in a translation, you know, 60, yeah. 60 years later. I, I, I don't know. Like... And it made me feel like I, like with the stuff, and I was like, Stanislav, Stanislav Lem must be better at writing. Well, not that I'm saying he's better. Like, I know he's, like, if you read Solaris, there's so much more in there. And there's all this military science fiction-y kind of stuff at the end. I'm like, am I, like, what was going on in Poland and the Soviet Union where the end of this stands up to the people reading it and i just it feels like i was just missing something like who is rohan who are the commanders who are these like people being like their minds being deleted or brainwashed and so there's there's stuff here and i was just thinking i'm not i don't quite know enough to no i kept suspecting i didn't know enough to appreciate it at the level that stanislav Lem was writing it yeah because I'm like he shouldn't just be writing like brainless military science fiction here at the end and an adventure story it feels like there was there should be more going on and there could have been more going on but I have to admit I just I'm maybe I just didn't don't know what's going on yeah from all the things you said and I just listened to a lot of your stuff yeah I didn't interrupt so much because I thought I'd be a good podcaster today um (laughs) when you mentioned swarm yeah stuff when you mentioned mind deleting things yeah i immediately thought ah okay so this is the polish writer yeah um at, in 64 soviet union was still everywhere yeah communism and whatever however you call this kind of politics was still ra- very much present so this book really really needs the the um cultural um background uh you know the how you when you when you say okay we need to look this we, we need to put this book in its in its whole historic background yeah you can't just read this book i mean sure you can read the book you will miss loads of things loads of things that people in the 1964 reading this book they would all get these references yeah, yeah. they would all get oh so this is the metaphor for that and yeah. this is now these people are like us yeah or you know this is so I'm thinking the symbolism is heavy here. It, the thing is, it might Definitely. be. Uh, there's this uh, this other book that I reviewed back in, oh, it says 2010. That's so long ago. Yep. Anyway, um, Roadside Picnic by Arkady and Boris Strogatsky. Yes. And that's the, you know, it was made into a movie, Stalker, and that's been made into, you know, TV, uh, not TV, uh, into uh, uh, video games and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I started reading another one of their books and it was so foreign to me and so alien to me. I was like, I don't know 
how much of this is written by two Russian writers writing in the 70s or whatever. Yeah. I don't understand what's different about the society, which is like just written from a Soviet, you know, history point of view. Mm. Or is this a, is this something like what, what about this dystopian or utopian is different from what they were there? like? And I, it was just so foreign to me. I actually, even though it was in translation, yeah. I just realized, ah, this isn't for me. No, you know, no. And, it's and I would I would say even if if there would be like a uh, accompanying uh, description or explanation booklet for people like you, even then it would be difficult to grasp because I think some things you can only really understand if you are in in this in the same society at that moment. Yeah. Right. So even if you were uh, just born at that point, like and you were born in sixty four. And then you read this yeah. book when you're 20, even then you would have a different understanding. And I think like the only way to really get what it meant mm. was to be. Yeah. But again, I'm not saying that there. is all there. I'm just yeah. saying that it felt like I was missing something. And maybe it's yeah. because I'm not from Poland in the 1960s. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. and, it's, and it's difficult for me to know that. Yeah. All right, then. But did you find anything in any uh, on the Wikipedia page for the book? Or I didn't read the... the I literally just opened the Wikipedia page now. Um, and it's just a plot summary. Yeah. Okay. Self-replicating machines, evolution of autonomous, yeah, uh, self-organization, the swarm. You know, it's it's just talking about what I hear. Robotic robotic fauna dubbed the necrosphere. Okay, so um, it's just talking about the themes. Yeah, it's that just it's pretty much what I've wrapped up there. Commentary. It turns into analysis of the relationship between different life domains and their place in the universe. You know, exactly what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not picking up anything there. Mm. Um, oh, it says the idea of the ultimate weapon system was finalized by Lem in his fictitious review, Weapon Systems of the 21st Century, or the upside down evolution so i guess this you know this uh, weapon system that i was talking about of having you know like uh, what else can we b- bring out the hole yeah uh, sorry the hold of the, the ship hold. um uh so yeah it's it's just early um it was it says here it was one of the first novels to explore the idea of micro robots smart dust artificial swarms and um swarm intelligence and necro evolution so it's the evolution mm-hmm. of non says uh, non-living matter so yeah like i'm just saying all of the stuff like i'm not saying he came up with it it's just so early of an exploration of that yeah. that it didn't need, like the story and the humanity and all the other stuff that could have gone along with it. It's like ah no, now this is this would be just the one background part of a mm-hmm. of a of a science fiction novel. Yeah. But it's uh, you know it now this is the novel. Right. You know. And I do think lots of other authors then took these ideas that he he put in this novel and then made. No, like, it's not. It's not just him. I'm just saying that when a technological idea is early enough yeah all you have to do is describe it yes and that's interesting enough to get through but now reading it i'm like yeah 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 swarm technology yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, micro <laughs> micro bars yeah yeah, yeah we got it yeah and you're just like that i'll say that whole middle third of the book you're like yeah yeah, yeah get on with it and but because <laughs> the mystery the earlier mystery is solved but the later action hasn't started yet yeah, so right you know happens all right so um i'm going to give this book a rating okay and what I'm is gonna, it going to be i'm gonna give it three stars okay because i it was fine yeah but it wasn't anything new and i couldn't i can't even say it was a disappointment because you know i wasn't expecting that much yeah you know because this is one of 
of of one of the most read authors in the world, of mm-hmm. science fiction authors in the world. This is like his fourth best book or his fourth most popular book. But I do, it does make me want to go on and and read some of these other ones which come up on the same page, like the Siberiad, Eden, and uh, what was the other one that I, I mentioned here on his Goodreads page as well? Yeah, Fiasco and some of these other ones. Yeah. Um, How long was the audiobook? Of like roughly like what's the length? I don't know. It's like six hours, eight hours. Like okay. not not a tricky one, but it was yeah. only in the library app, so I don't have it. I don't have it on my phone anymore. Yeah. Um. I returned it. So uh, yeah, I'm probably going to read others, especially if I just find them free in the library app. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I might track them down a bit. Sounds good. Three stars. Perfect. For, for being very dated and not a lot of human character in there. <laughs> but you know, being like again, I like reading historical like science fiction from history like the yes. first example of time travel oh yeah. no that actually goes way back but like a lot of these things you go ah oh, right let's go back to the source mm. you know of these and you're like ah cyberpunk comes from this person you know yeah. like when i was going back and reading those um oh now who did the cyberpunk books that i was talking about um yeah uh babble 17 and um the einstein intersection and uh, what was the other one Anyway, Samuel Aldelaney, when I yes, went back and read yes. some of those, but you're like, oh, right, this, this, some of this stuff comes from, oh, right, this is, this is why in, in Neuromancer, this was like, why was this happening in Neuromancer? Like, oh, you've got to go back to the source of Neuromancer. Yeah. You go back even further. But I do think like, just thinking back from my point of view now, we are living in a world where we have all this kind of technology we have, yeah. the, the tiny computers in our pockets and stuff. We live in the science fiction yeah. world from t- t- 1960s. And then just imagine how it how it would feel for a, ni- a person in 1960 reading this book with all these ideas in. Yeah. That would also feel very strange and alien. Yeah. And, and I always find it really fascinating going back and reading this kind of stuff. And now we're thinking like, oh, yeah, nanotechnology, blah, blah, blah. And for the people who read this at the time, yeah. it was like, what is that? But we're, we're going to go through the same kind of thing now. Like literally yes, fr- from the beginning of this year mm. to now, mm. there is an entire new like technology that people are noticing and entire industries that are growing up around you know ai artwork and image manipulation and all that stuff there's entire new like professions and all that kind of stuff like this year yeah to do with i I wouldn't say artificial intelligence but certainly machine learning you know and all that stuff yes i've actually i actually watched a video and finally understood what's going on there (laughs) not not how to do it or anything but Mm. actually what's going on with these things it's the you know there's the the uh the guy who does like the coding like the python coding of computer games you know the one where he flies the plane around the world you know you've seen that kind of stuff he does cloud simulations he did like an hour-long video and i watched it uh, i downloaded it on my phone at my last gig Mm. and watched an entire hour-long video of him like breaking down all right so if you want to do this and he starts off in the easiest way possible with like just a two-dimensional graph and well how do we make something which can match can know what's on one side of a line on a (laughs) two-dimensional graph and he broke it down and i was like ah now just that but incomprehensibly more uh, complicated with you know you know generations more computing power behind it but and i was like oh i finally it finally clicked what it's doing you know in this in this two-dimensional case it's trying to draw a line in a specific shape Mm -hmm. and like and what you know what kind of curve like how to make a curve on a like how to make a curve you're like oh and it learned how to make that curve to delineate two points on a graph you know and all right so now just take that concept and blow it up 
yeah. you know, to, you know, uh, the entire color images, you yeah. know, and, he, and he, by the end of the video, he's like, does this work with color images? Like, it's like, no, not how I'm not doing quite, it, you know, yeah. but, but, you but just, it's, 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 it's on the way there. Yeah. And at some point, the, uh, the artwork that the uh, machine learning things yeah. put out, we'll learn how to do hands. Currently yeah. can't. It currently can't do hands, really but people are never be able to. It's not like never be able to do hands. No. Someone is going to punch a, an algorithm in the face mm. hard enough that it goes, hands have five fingers. And the first finger is this length. And, the face. and you think, oh, will it ever do that? Yes, it will. Give it like, yeah, I was going to say, give it five years. But by mm. the speed that things are going just this year, it's like, yeah, yeah give it like three months and yes. people will work this out. Absolutely. Because every bit of computation is like, you know, yeah, there's there's always a there's there's a technological curve, mm-hmm. but then there's a learning curve. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you can get yeah, there's different ways. And if you put three curves on top of each other, you don't get exponential growth. You get whatever it is when three <laughs> exponential graphs go although it probably is just an exponential but like a different but like just zoom out on the graph a bit yeah you know so yeah. you get economies of like techno like technology is improving which yeah. is the you know the moore's law kind of thing mm-hmm. that you know the, computing the power and stuff yeah, yeah computing power and chips just get better mm-hmm. all right so we've got that we've got that curve going in there which yeah. is a lot of hard work but then you get like the the economies of scale like all right you, you, not just it used to be that only supercomputers could do this yeah. but now everybody's phone and you or you put in the latest nvidia chip in there so yeah. it's it's you've got you've got technology progress and all the computer like and all the stuff then you put on top of it scale so people can run it in their on their desktop computers or in their laptops if yeah. you've got a good you know if you've got a good um uh, what you know graphics card in there or an m or an m2 mac or whatever they're coming out now with yeah the ultra extreme yeah the ultra yeah you get one of those you're like oh great you can do it but on top of that yeah then you get the learning curve which is like people if you get more people doing it it's easier to learn mm-hmm. it when even luke can understand what's going on to with one of these neural networks to draw a sh- shape of a light of course i'm not going to learn it but you know everything is based on previous learning so it's like you've got like three <laughs> exponential graphs or three graphs put on top of each other yeah so yeah and um i know it's it's not exactly uh, comparable but we, we we watched some stuff about people doing double backflips standing on flat ground and stuff mm. and uh and then you see these um all these progressions of people um, who then come after that mm. they don't start off with then having to learn all this yeah they see everything like, yeah, that. like just the, the final guy who did the double standing back back tuck somersault yeah um uh and uh yeah i was like oh how he gets that back everybody else was having to take a step back to get his, the backwards yeah. momentum yeah he just held it and i just literally stood up and demonstrated it's like oh he held his arms forward yeah. and was like on his tiptoes forward and then he came down and that's all you he need made to get it was a spring yeah and i was like oh that's the technique to do it and this is yeah. always annoying with me with juggling like mm-hmm. i'll invent a trick yeah. and then it takes me months and months to be able to get it exactly. but i worked out how to learn it and then i teach someone else and they get it in like a minute and a half and i'm exactly. like ah. And uh-huh. then when you zoom out yeah. from that, like you, you don't look at the individual, like your progression yeah. on this trick, because yeah. that is slow. Yeah. But you zoom out and you see all the people coming afterwards and they go yeah. like way up. Anyway, if you get a straight line graph and you put two straight line graphs on top of each other, you get an exponential graph. But then if you put another graph on top of that, like you get, I'm just saying. it goes. I believe you. I go, have no idea what you're I'm just saying. About. It goes, technology can move very quickly. It can. Especially yes. if it's already moved very quickly up until this point. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny how you mentioned we live in a science fiction world now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you know what we did? We talked about back in episode 400. 
Yeah. The episode back in 2019 was called "Living Our Best Science Fiction Lives," Ooh, and which where、yeah. we talked about all the technological improvements that have come along, like since we've started the podcast, or you know, or whatever it is, and we're talking about how us. Between us,、mm-hmm. we get a lot of benefit out of modern technology. Yes, to the point where we were, you know, we met via an algorithm. We a computer <laughs> algorithm introduced <laughs> us to each、yes. other because we met via.、Uh, I was going to say a dating app. This was even、like, oh, was say, it, it was before.、App. Yeah, it wasn't there. It was a website. It was before <laughs> before.、Um, What is it? What, Tinder. The, yeah, before Tinder and all of these other apps,、yeah. these other data apps. There was another. Anyway, it was a time when it was for free. That was back in episode four <laughs> hundred. You know、yeah. what episode we're on right now? What is it? We're on four hundred ninety nine. Oh wow! The next episode is our big five hundred, and it, you know, we every fifty episodes we do like a special episode, which isn't just a book review. Yes. I've got an idea. For the next <gasps> for the next podcast episode five hundred. How exciting! It is exciting. What's it going to be? Is it going to be a surprise? It's,、uh, well, I'll give it away. Okay.、Uh, we're actually going to review something. We're going to talk about. Okay. Some short stories, and it's the short story that I gave you. Right. And I, I'm not going to explain why that why we're going to talk about that specific short story. It's an awkward format. Just yes,、uh, <laughs> the PDF isn't that readable.、Uh, I'm going to see if I can find a better PDF. Either、okay. way,、uh, I'm just saying I'm not going to give it away now. But、yes. we're going to talk about. A few short stories, and I'm not going to give anything more away about that. Because to be honest, it's not that interesting. But I've decided for episode 500 to do a special episode、yeah. with some special short stories, which I, I don't normally don't normally talk about short stories. But there'll be a, a good reason why I talk about these these these、uh, three. And it has a specific... wider topic. Yeah, it's a little bit of a wider topic, but not really. I just want to talk about these, and I think it's going to be a fun episode 500. Ooh. But. We'll leave it up to people listening to to wait until we do that podcast. Once you've read that short story, and once I've read it,、yeah. uh, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that. Sounds fun. All right. Good. Yes. Wow. Five hundred. Five hundred. Five hundred of these plus some other bits and pieces. When, but yeah. When did I? Fir- when was the first one I was on?、Your、like the Hyperion. On, yeah, Hyperion. Was, the first Hyperion. Was it the first? No, it was the, the second was Hyperion. The second Hyperion.、Um, the first. Let me have a look here. For so I read Hyperion back in two thousand nine, so not that one. No, and then Fall of Hyperion I read in two thousand nine, yeah, uh, uh, the second one,、um, and then we also did. Oh, I was gonna say. So it'll be this one. Yeah, twenty twelve was the first one you did. You so your first episode was one hundred and sixty eight. Okay, and so again I've mentioned this before. It always feels like oh I did some podcasts with you know as a as a solo podcaster, and then Juliana came on board, and then we did you know some, and then Juliana has been on the podcast for some time. But no, it's no. been it's been it's been exactly ten years. Well, so that was in that was in、um, the end of September in twenty twelve, and now we're at the end of October in. 2022. So yeah, almost exactly. You've been part of this podcast for ten years now. Holy moly! I mean, you've not been on every episode for ten years, no. But you've been on a lot of episodes for ten years. So I don't know why I think this is just a one-person <laughs> podcast. It's, it's <laughs> obviously, it's obviously a two-person podcast. But well,、again. it is. It is still like. Me being on the podcast, yeah, I'm I'm not the main contributor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、So、you often、uh, haven't read the book, but、yes. then sometimes sometimes you've read the book and I haven't read the book. But, but it's, I, it's, it's not it's not good. I'm、no. not I'm not a good. I'm not so analytically thinking as you are. So I'm never as well, in depth but, and have these great. It doesn't always have to be and, like I, I wasn't、know. really analyzing this book.、Uh, you know, just as I read it, I was like,、yeah. oh, you know, this whatever like that. So,、yeah. so anyway, maybe we can save this for episode five hundred. Either let's, way, let's do that. Four hundred ninety nine episodes.、Ooh. 
words Woo-hoo. of a podcast. Yeah. But let's 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 continue this conversation on episode 500, which we can record, you know, next week or whatever. Yes. And, let's do that. Uh, that's it. Definitely. All right. I said I was. I wrapped up this review like when it, this was. Uh, yeah, Thirty-four uh, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've just done. We've just done an extra fifteen minutes. Just after after wrapping up the review, we yeah. we've talked another fifteen minutes. So I'm actually wrapping up the, the podcast now. Okay. So Stanislav Lem, the Invincible. No, stop it! I'm wrapping three. it up now. Stop going back. We've already talked about it. Three stars. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>